Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the latest instalment of the Sport Huddle, brought to you by Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. My name's Ian, and tonight I'm joined by Bernie, Tony, and Stuart, and we'll be chatting local football, uh, the ups and downs of the uh, relegation fights that a couple of our teams are in, plus we were talking the Rhinos, who beat local rivals Huddersfield last week, and a bit of cricket. The cricket season started, and Yorkshire started as well. Um, and uh, sporting moments of the week. So we'll start um, where we really don't want to start, but we're going to have to. Um, I was actually at Elland Road on Sunday. Um, if you were in hospital, you would have heard my uh, dulcet tones. <laughs> and um, it was all leads right up until the 46th minute. Um, and then uh, the world collapsed. And... Uh, Tony, um, you watched it, and uh, how could it have gone from so good in the first half to just so bad in the second? A very good question, and uh, one I suspect Javi Gracia has been uh, mulling over ever since Sunday. Um, I, I mean, you did feel uneasy at half-time, I have to say, as to what might happen in the second half, if only because Leeds had been so totally dominant had scored a good goal, good uh, yep. goal from a set piece, well worked, um, but could have had others. Um, and they'd had some warnings. Uh, Schlupp had hit the post, I think, from a corner. There'd been somebody else gone close from a corner. And then they gave away two daft free kicks just before half time. They got away with the first one. I can't remember who the Palace player was, but he tried a speculative shot and just kicked it straight to Melier for catching practice. Uh, and and uh, I thought, well, yeah, that's good. Fine, they've got away with it. They should be okay now. And then was it Rocker? I think gave away another silly one. And yeah. you sort of thought, well, they've got to be careful here because they have looked dodgy when when the ball's been put into the area. Uh, and sure enough, um, uh, Palace equalised and uh, half time one one was not a just score. Clearly, Leeds should have been ahead. Um, uh, so you did fear that you know the the match might have turned. But I don't think anybody could have forecast that it would turn so spectacularly because I have to say in the second half, Leeds were absolutely abject, dreadful. I mean, you sort of feel that if they'd been playing against a decent sort of non-league side, they'd have been taken apart. Uh, to be honest, because I, I, I thought they were just awful in the second half. Seemed to be no cohesion, no plan, no nothing. Now, Palace played very well, uh, and, and there's no question about that. And, and, and uh, played with a lot of pace on the break, got men forward and, and took full advantage. But uh, the way that the Leeds defence was opened up so easily um, on so many occasions really does make you fear. Um, I, I said before, um, sort of a couple of weeks ago, after the Arsenal game, if you like, I'd said uh, that I thought the next two games were must win. And they won the first one convincingly. OK, it was only 2-1 on, on, on paper. Again, they probably didn't take the chances, but uh, they, they obviously were far too good for Forrest. Um, but uh, that's a worrying result. Uh, it really is. Um, they've got three more matches against relegation contenders. One is um, Leicester who have changed managers, that could give them a bounce. You feel they've got too many good players, even though they're, they're not playing well, obviously. One's against West Ham, who I've never really thought would go down. 
um, and the other one's at Bournemouth, uh, and they keep picking up wins here and there. So you do wonder where all of a sudden you start looking again, thinking where are Leeds points going to come from? Um, I suppose you could say that if they catch Liverpool on an off day, Tottenham on an off day, they could get points there. Fulham seem to have lost form completely at the moment, but Leeds have got to improve so much from that. It was abject. Uh, and on that basis, you know, I was I was saying Southampton, Bournemouth and Forest to go down. Leicester looked to be uh, dragging themselves into it. I think Leeds are very much in it now as well. I think they're in trouble. They are. And um, yeah, that second half collapse was just unexcusable, unforgivable, really. Um, rumours, and I will stress, rumours of um, infighting in the dressing room at halftime. Uh, between the players, um, it it doesn't bode well when you're when you're hearing rumours like that. And I know it is only rumours, but there is no smoke without fire, and so there must be something in there. Um, but yeah, Liverpool on Monday night, um, memories of uh, Tony Yaboa, obviously, and um, and and that goal. Um, but yeah, Liverpool not in great shakes either. But they did do very well in coming back from two 0 down against Arsenal um, at the weekend. So um, you never know what kind of Liverpool are going to turn up, really, do you? Yeah, no. No, it's a possibility they could get something out of that game if if Liverpool have a a flat one. Because, I mean, uh, Arsenal sort of totally outplayed them, didn't they, really, throughout 40 Mm. minutes. And and then Xhaka managed to fire up the Anfield crowd and and sort of turned the game at the same time, really. So you feel Arsenal missed missed a trick there and could have won that one if they kept their heads. Definitely. Um, so we'll be having coverage of Monday night. I'm not quite sure who's commentating, but I know that we will um, be there on Monday night. Any of you guys know? Yep, it's uh, Bill. Um, carry on, Bernie. Uh, so, uh, Bill, Andy, and Ian. Steve, is it? No, um, uh, Mr. Dalton. Andrew. Oh, Andrew. Yes, oh, Andrew. 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 Yeah. Oh well, you'll know all the stats that you ever need to know then if Andrew's <laughs> going to be there. So. Um, you, if you're in hospital, put the uh, put your radio onto hospital radio and listen to uh, Leeds versus Liverpool on Monday Night Football. We'll uh, move um, just a bit further down the 62 and go to Huddersfield Town, who, um, well, I think, how long ago was Neil Warnock appointed, Bernie? Was it two months ago? Uh, slightly less than that, I think. Slightly uh, less than that. Round about, and about that. Far, how far from safety would you have said that you were at that point? Uh, irretrievably. Irretrievably. <laughs> okay. And so well done, at, the time, at the time of recording, April the 13th, um, how far above the line are you right now? Two points. Two points. So from irretrievably <laughs> relegated, pretty much, you're now two points clear of the dreaded dotted line. What a job the boy is doing. What a job he is doing. Absolutely. I, I cannot uh, I, I cannot argue with that, Ian. The, the, the great escape may yet be on. Uh, we, <laughs> you as as you reminded us earlier off air, that uh, I had words to say about Mr. Warnock when he was appointed, and uh, I think I finished by saying, I just hope I am proved wrong for the good of the yeah. club. And yeah. um, fingers crossed that let's let's be realistic about this. There is still a long way to go. There's five games to go, and two points is nothing of a margin. 
but no. they do have a significant hope now. And uh, the past five games have, well, they've gone unbeaten in five games. So uh, that really does suggest that uh, there is something there, at least to work with. And not just five games against anybody. Those five games are against teams that are looking for automatic promotion and the playoffs as well. It's, it, you haven't just beaten, you know, random middle, middle of the table teams. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Those, it really has been a, a, an awakening of uh, extreme proportions. And um, I think the Blackburn game on Monday, which I commentated on for uh, Leeds Hospital Radio, was uh, it, it really summed up what's happened over the last five games, really. Um, the, if I tell you that, uh, uh, well, Huddersfield were under the cosh. It, it was like the Alamo at, uh, for, for, for long periods of this game. If I tell you that um, Huddersfield had 19% of possession and Blackburn <laughs> had 81, that is no bad reflection on uh, on what it was. But having said that, Huddersfield did make very good use of the possession they did have in the first half. They scored two very fine goals and uh, they defended like heroes in the, in, in the second half. It was, uh, I said to uh, my colleague Tom after the game, I don't know about the players, but I felt exhausted having watched all that. They were under the cosh for so long. Um, Blackburn had so much pressure. Uh, another stat I've got for you, which you might be interested in, is that um, uh, over the course of the entire game, completed passes for Huddersfield Town, 63. And that that, that is the fewest by any side in the football league since Opta started recording these things in 2013. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, uh, Very good conversion right then, scoring two goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it, it hasn't been like, well, although they've been under the cosh, it hasn't been like watching what we saw up to mid-February when Warnock did come in. Because uh, they 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 look different on the break actually they, they they look dangerous on the break and obviously you'll tell from all, everything I've said that uh, a lot of the goals have been scored on the break and from a few set pieces but uh, they have looked like a capable side and take take the Watford game uh, immediately before that on Good Friday uh, I don't know what the comparable stats were in that game but they did take a much more prominent part in the game. Watford are on a down at the moment. They're not doing very well. And they were really good value for that victory. So um, lots of uh, lots of things to be happy about. They've got five games left. I think they need to, to win two of them. And uh, they should be in a good position. Yeah, looking at it, um, 19th. So two points and three places above the dotted line. Um, Reading are in the last relegation place at the moment on 41. Assisted by a six-point deduction, it has to be said. Exactly, but even if (laughs) Reading had those six points back, you'd still be above the dotted line. So um, let's keep it positive, Bernie. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) you've got to play Reading, I believe, on the very last day of the season. Last day of the season, yeah. uh, Let's hope it doesn't come down to that. (laughs) Yeah, because I have vivid memories of a last day um, at Huddersfield commentating, um, it was against Barnsley, and um, if if it was a draw and Peterborough lost, then um, Barnsley and Huddersfield would stay up and Peterborough would have gone down. 
Peterborough's game finished before the Huddersfield Barnsley game. It was 2-2. And for the last five minutes or so, might have even been 10 minutes, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened apart from the Huddersfield and Barnsley fans were all singing about staying up in Yorkshire. Uh, it was uh, an, an event. <laughs> it it, it was a bit was. like the, the, the famous wartime game between England and Germany, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> a pack. <laughs> absolutely fantastic but yes let's hope it doesn't come to that I think you're right as well two wins um, will put you on 49 and that should that should be enough that should be enough um, especially looking at the form of everyone else in and around there yeah, um, yeah it, uh, sorry j- j- just one final point there Queen's yeah. Park Rangers are one of the other sides below us and um, sadly, um, uh, Queen's Park Rangers' record is even worse than Reading's. They're, they are really in free fall, except they managed to pick up a point uh, on, on Easter Monday at uh, uh, somewhere called Preston North End, which was uh, a bit unfortunate, but uh, there you go. Well, you know, you can only rely on them so much. Um, Stuart, I'm actually going to allow you to come in here because... Um, I think you do need to allow me in. Yeah, your, your boys. Um, Fake news. Are in seventh, yeah, and are only behind Blackburn Rovers on goal difference. Correct, and I've, I've just heard minus some... two, and you've got minus four. Yeah, yeah, I've just heard some fake news. North End were playing Reading. I've, I've got, I've got, I've got <laughs> Reading. I'm sorry, Stuart. <laughs> 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 oh no, no. They, 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 they managed to beat Reading late on, didn't they? Correct. I still beg your pardon, Stuart. I, um, I, I'll yeah. take that. You're in my garden. It was, uh, I think it was Norwich, actually, the, 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 the drew. But uh, I, I was also saying, Bernie, I have to tell you that um, yeah, the, the, the possession stats uh, count for nothing. I, I, I remember watching uh, uh, a game on TV just before Christmas, I think it was, and it was the mighty North End against Sunderland. And the commentator referred to the two teams as both being anti-possession teams. Um <laughs> It did turn out to be a nil-nil bore draw, I have to tell you. Uh, but uh, look where North End and Sunderland are now. Yeah, thanks for raising that, Ian. Uh, we're just lurking just outside the playoff positions and uh, coming into some decent form. And we've got uh, we've got a young striker called uh, Tom Cannon uh, from Everton on loan. Uh, we were all disappointed that we missed out on Cameron Archer, who chose Middlesbrough, for goodness sake, over coming back to Deepdale in January. But so we brought uh, Tom Cannon in and uh, he came in oven ready for the championship, I have to say. He looks a, he looks a, re- a real prospect, uh, runs his heart out and also knows exactly where the goal is. He scored, I think, it's half a dozen goals for North End now. And, um, you know. It's uh, goals win matches, and uh, it's always handy to have a goal scorer, particularly at this time of the season. But, Absolutely. Uh, we will soon. Thanks very much, Stuart. I'm going to come back to you as well now uh, to talk about our local teams in League Two. Mm. And, um, Bradford City are on the march at the moment and have um, a local-ish uh, game against Rochdale on Saturday away. I hear that Bradford are taking absolutely thousands with them as well. Um can you see Bradford um, actually because the momentum is with them and so playoffs, you know, who knows what happens in the playoffs? Who knows? I wouldn't rule out automatic promotion yet, Ian, actually, for, for Bradford. Um, the the one uh, proviso, I think, is that um, they really do need to continue to convert 
um, draws into wins. And and because they're now unbeaten in 10 league games. Their last defeat was mid-February against Barrow. Since then, 10 games unbeaten. However, five of those have been draws. Five wins, five draws. Um, and they've, of the teams in the top seven, they're now sitting in sixth on 68 points. But in the teams in the top seven, they've got the, uh, they've got the lowest number of wins with 18 and the highest number of draws with 14. So that's, I think that's the issue. That's the issue. Um, but you know, they're only, there are three teams immediately above them in fifth, fourth and third. That's Stevenage, Carlisle and Stockport. And they're all, they're all only two points ahead of Bradford and, and uh, Bradford have got a game in hand on, on two of those teams. So uh, I, I certainly wouldn't, uh, they're, not, they're not out of the automatic promotion race yet. Uh, I'm going to Rochdale on Saturday, of course, Rochdale fighting for the lives at the, uh, at the bottom, no, no easy game, but uh, yeah, one would hope that uh, those thousands of fans that are going over the border to Scotland will, uh, uh, will push them on to victory. Absolutely. But um yeah, you know, it's it's um it's been year after year that uh, Bradford fans have uh, have expected um to 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 get out of League 2, but uh, could this be the year under Mark Hughes? I, I really do hope so. Um, and what a final day of the season we've got coming up actually because uh, not only do Huddersfield uh, face Reading uh, at 3 o'clock on Monday 8th of May, but at uh, at 12:30 uh, Bradford play their final game of the season at home to Leighton Orient. Uh, who are currently top and I think likely to secure promotion. Leighton Orient may need to win that game to secure uh, their position as champions. Uh, who knows what Bradford might need to do. So, uh, yeah. so we've got a tasty couple of games coming up. We definitely do. And Harrogate um, are playing Doncaster Rovers this weekend in a Yorkshire derby and a win for Harrogate is much needed um, because it is a little bit tight down there. Colchester in 20th on 42 and Crawley in 23rd below the dotted line are 38. So there is only four points between four teams. So Harrogate definitely need to win. And um, here's a fun fact. Harrogate Town have drawn the same amount of games as Bradford City have. (laughs) Well, that's real fun. Thank you. So good luck to Harrogate and good luck to Bradford um, this weekend um, away at Rochdale and at home to Doncaster. Right. Um, Cricket. Um, Right. Bernie. Um, Yorkshire's start to the season. Um, Can you can you sum it up? Well, (laughs) (laughs) we had a good day today. It was washed out. Um, no, the, uh, the the four-day game against Leicestershire, um, I was fortunate enough to be there on the first day, and it was a good day's cricket. We saw a superb hundred by Finlay Bean in his, uh, he, he, well, he, I think it's his fourth game for Yorkshire, and uh, he, he, he was opening the batting, and uh, he, he looked the part from, from start to finish, so that was, that was great to watch. And Yorkshire went on to make 517 in the first innings and somehow contrived to lose the game. Um, having said that, I'm not going to be too critical about it because I think, uh, first and foremost, it was a fantastic game of cricket. I was watching the last hour on the live stream 
And I was glued to it. It was just riveting cricket. It was a bit like some of the test matches we've seen recently. It is, it's so dramatic when it gets to that length of time. You can have close finishes in one day stuff and T20, of mm. course, and it's nothing mm. like as uh, mm. compelling as this is. So it was a fantastic game. And I've got to say full credit to Leicestershire because um, they, they did, they looked second best, certainly for the first two days. And, um, uh, they, they came back really well. They, they, they're a relatively inexperienced, unsung side, uh, rubbing rags for uh, mo- most teams over the last few years. But they did superbly well to stay in the game. And um, when they got a chance on the last day, they, they, they took it with tremendous batting by Peter Hanscom, the Australian, and uh, Rishi Patel, the opening batsman, who um, I certainly didn't know much about <coughs> So, um, from Yorkshire's point of view, disappointing that they couldn't get over the line on this one. But I'm not going to be too critical. I think Yorkshire will, well, let, let's judge them after four or five games, not after the first one. But well done, Leicestershire. And uh, the real winner in this was the game of cricket. Absolutely. Um, Tony, yeah, that first game isn't going to define the season, obviously. Um, Leicestershire's first win at Headingley since 1910. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. First since 1910 in a, in a championship game. Yeah, they've obviously won there in one day cricket. Uh, and as we were saying off air beforehand, of course, they, they have beaten Yorkshire in Yorkshire in that time. It's just that Yorkshire used to play a lot of games away from Headingley, of course. And mm. uh, so it's it, it, it's not uh, as exceptional in that regard. But uh, it, it's more exceptional in the context of Leicestershire not having won a match since September 2021. You know, that's uh, uh, that, that's perhaps the more relevant uh, comparison, really. Um, so, uh, as Bernie said, you know, well done to them. They, they hung on, they got into the game. It was a flat pitch. Uh, and when you bat first on a flat pitch, it's always going to be a bit of a, an awkward one as to when to frame the declaration. And, uh, I mean, I gathered from stuff that I, I saw and read that there were some mutterings from, uh, from Yorkshire folk on the day that, uh, lie that batted on too long that he should have declared area well actually in the end it proved to be a pretty good declaration i don't, I don't think uh, adam lies perhaps the greatest captain that uh, yorkshire have ever had but uh, but he, he got that declaration just about right because it gave uh, everybody a chance um interesting remark i can't remember the word he used uh this morning but chris waters writing the yorkshire post said that uh, um effectively um yorkshire had been stuffed by patel and he said, does that sound familiar? I'll just leave that <laughs> thought with you. Um, uh, but, but yeah, let's hope that it doesn't, um, uh, doesn't uh, define the season any more than the first match of last season defined the season when, of course, they won at Gloucester in the first match, at, at Bristol <laughs> rather, against Gloucestershire, and then didn't win again all season. So uh, let's hope that this time it works the other way around. They don't lose again all season. Um, Absolutely. The, the slightly worrying thing that, to, to me, though, I suppose, was that um, the director of cricket had been saying that uh, he, he thought he'd written, he reckoned it sorted out the bowling now, and uh, that the batting was the problem. Uh, so he, uh, you should get 800 runs and can't bowl the opposition out twice. It sort of like leaves you slightly scratching your head, really, but still. <laughs> I'm mm. just looking at the um, at the first division. Sorry, guys, this won't this won't uh, bother you. Um, so like... <laughs> it might bother one of us, one or two of you. Yes, it yes. Might not bother the other two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on, Ian. Carry on. The two that have been speaking, it won't bother you. But Stuart, yes, um, <laughs> Lanks are playing Essex today. Uh, first day of um, four-day game, two oh seven all out. 
Essex 98 for three, and Knotts are 256 all out against Somerset. Somerset 28 for two in their first inning. So, uh, but we will keep a check on the first division um, occasionally this summer. And we'll leave cricket there. Sorry, guys, I had to do that. Um, we'll go on to rugby league. And Stuart, this is where you come in to your four now. Our Super League expert, our man with the oval ball who knows anything there is to know about the Leeds Rhinos, <laughs> Stuart Taylor. Oh, thank you. That What a build-up as ever. Yes, I, I, do. I, I know we're... We, People are you're listening to this podcast, but I can see my colleagues on screen and they've they've uh, just left the room. <laughs> uh, so thanks for your support, guys. Uh, yes, the the uh, the rhinos. Um, consistent only in their inconsistency, I think. Yeah. Uh, so far this season, uh, one four lost four. They're in seventh place on eight points uh, alongside the Saint Helens, last year's champions, and World Club champions, of course, uh, and Salford. Um, they won uh, over Easter. They beat uh, Huddersfield Giants in uh, an rivals weekend, as it uh, it was billed, uh, and uh, won that game uh, by 18 points to 17, having been 13-4 down at half time. And there's a, there's a bit of a strand developing there, really, because uh, in their last three matches. Um, Rhinos have been uh, well down at half time, um, particularly against the Catalans when they were 22 8 down uh, to, and came back to win 32 22. They, they lost to Hull KR pretty poorly. It was a really poor performance, actually. Uh, but they won the second half um, in, in, in that fixture. And then uh, uh, against the Giants, they were 13 4 down at half time and came back to win 18 17. So, I you know they're they're sort of a second half side at the at the moment, but I think if they could just you know, put a complete performance together across the eighty minutes, uh, then there's uh, uh, there's something uh, there's something going to happen. Um, they play Hull FC tomorrow night at Headingley. Um, we'll be there covering it. Uh, Kane Hall and Steve Fountain will be in their seats to uh, bring full match commentary of that game. Um, Hull they're they're two and six at the moment. Two wins, six losses. They won the first two games of the season, actually, including uh, beating the Rhinos at Headingley, uh, 22 points to 18. Since then, they've lost all six on the bounce, including uh, a 40 points to nil drubbing against local rivals, uh, Hawkingston Rovers on Good Friday. So, uh, um, you know, they'll be looking to, uh, to turn the tide. But I confidently expect that Rhinos will win. Uh, tomorrow night with a complete performance. So we'll see. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a long way to go in the in, in the season. And uh, you know, if you th- if you think about last season, after after ten games, Rhinos were looking like they were in for a relegation scrap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, them and Toulouse were sort of uh, anchored at the bottom of the table. And of course, what happened? The uh, Rhinos ended up in the uh, the grand final at Old Trafford against the Saints. So uh, early days. But um, if they can put some consistency into performance, then uh, I fancy that uh, another uh, playoff tilt is uh, is on the cards uh, come um, August September time. Yeah, I think another one of the anomalies of Super League is that Leeds and Hull are playing each other for the second time in eight weeks, mm. and both Headingley as well. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm. I, I don't. I don't understand it. Um, although I was thinking about this, maybe they're trying to get 
at uh, games in at Headingley uh, before the, uh, the the cricket stadium is used for the T20 Blast because there'll be a number of T20 Blast games on a Friday. Um, that that's a possible explanation, but uh, I don't know whether that makes any sense at all. Yeah, um, I think it makes some sense. I mean, Yorkshire do seem to have spread their games out this year, like on a different weeknights, because I know that I've yeah, put myself sure. down for some, but um, I I totally get that point. Um, but yeah, um, let's hope the Rhinos can can add to their consistency and win two games on the trot, which would be mm. lovely. Um, so we are coming up to uh, the the end of uh, this week's podcast. We're just waiting for our sporting moment of the week. Um, a quick shout out to uh, Jim Walker, one of our pundits, who instead of picking Gloucestershire's first win at Headingley since 1910, he um, he decided to choose the um, Curling World Cup and uh, Scotland beating the hosts Canada in the final, which was an excellent game of curling, by the way. I loved it. I watched it. And Scotland uh, did themselves proud and are now world champions again. Fantastic. Um, but I'm going to start with Bernie, your sporting moment of the week, sir. Yes, thanks, Ian. I'm going to something that has already been mentioned in passing. Um, it's rugby league and it is the 40 points to nil victory of Hull Kingston Rovers against Hull FC. Now, you might think that's a little bit random coming from me. But I did actually live in Hull for three years, and uh, that spanned the uh, 1980 Challenge Cup final at Wembley when Hulkingston Rovers beat uh, Hull FC by 10 points to five. And uh, a, a good, I, I've not watched an awful lot of rugby league over my uh, lifetime. I, I, I take a, a, a general interest in it, but I can't say I'm a, a, I'm a super fan of it. But uh, one club I did watch with some regularity was Hull KR because my friend was a, 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 a a devoted Robin, and he used to take me along to the games. So if I have a team in rugby league at all, it's Hull KR. And since those days when they could beat the black and whites fairly comfortably, they uh, the, the boot's been on the foot for most of the, most of the rest of the time. And Hull FC have been in the ascendancy. And in fact, Rovers were out of the top flight for quite a long time. So it was uh, it's quite interesting to see them uh, back on top again, as it as it were. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, when, uh, if you go back to 1980, there was a crowd of 95,000 at Wembley for this, which included virtually all the city of Hull. Um, I, of course, was playing cricket at the time and all the fixtures were cancelled because they couldn't get anybody to, to turn out at all. So that's the extent of the uh, religious uh, uh, fanaticism that there is for rugby league in the city. And uh, from my point of view, it was just great to see uh, Rovers back on top again and getting a thumping win over the old enemy. So uh, hats off to Hull KR for me. Brilliant. Mm. And uh, I wonder if they'll um, be chatting about this 40 years from now like they still do <laughs> with the Challenge Cup final result. But then if any of us had won our local derby at Wembley, you would be crowing about it too. Um, Tony, your sporting moment of the week, sir. Mm, yeah, just uh, just on what Bernie's just said, a feeling I can't remember. Maybe somebody else might remember. I think that that cup final in 1980 might have been Eddie Waring's last uh, commentary on a cup final. Ah. I'm not sure. It was about that time. Anyhow, yeah, sporting moment of the week. Uh, well, for me, it's quite an easy one. Um, the first of the uh, of the four golfing majors, of course, uh, just been played at uh, uh, at Augusta last week, uh, US Masters. 
Um, going into it, uh, Rory McIlroy was the favourite and uh, missed the cut, which uh, was rather embarrassing. Um, but I suppose the, 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 one of the things that everybody was looking to see is would the ma- would the uh, the tournament be won by one of the live golfers on this Saudi tour, or would it be won by a, a player who's played on the regular tour? Uh, and I am delighted to say that it was won by uh, a player playing on the regular tour. Um, and uh, not that just that, of course, uh, won by a European as well in John Rahm, uh, who came from uh, a long way behind. I think he was probably certainly four shots behind for quite a while in the third round. I think when they stopped playing the third round, because uh, they had a lot of bad weather, they had to delay the completion of the third round until uh, the final day, which meant that the likes of... of, of uh, of Ram and Brooks Kepka, who were the, the sort of final pair. I think they had to play, was it something like 30 holes on the last day, which uh, is quite a test for anybody. Um, but uh, Ram sort of stuck in there. Again, it's a question of uh, staying in the game. We are talking about earlier teams and players staying in the game. Uh, and uh, they kept in the match, uh, and uh, or he kept in the, in, in the competition, and... and uh, Waited for a mistake from the opponent, which came because Kupka started making mistakes and uh, Ram took uh, took full advantage and went on to win comfortably by four shots in the end. Um, and not only did he win it, uh, one thing I had not realised, um, this was news to me when they said it, was that he is the first European ever to win both the US Masters and the US Open. Is that uh, right? When you think of the catalogue of, of mm-hmm. the players who have won the Masters, like Seve, uh, Alathabal, Garcia, Woosnam, Lyle, Faldo, none of them won the US Open. Uh, think about the US Open, it's been won by McElroy, uh, McDowell, Justin Rose, Matt Fitzpatrick last year, going back to Tony Jacklin, none of them ever won the US Masters. Um, so it's quite a, an achievement by John Rahm, uh, and he is a fine player, and uh, it's just really what European golf needed at, at the beginning of uh, a Ryder Cup year, I think, was a, a European player to uh, to to win the first major, so well done, John Rahm. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, and he wins uh, a green jacket. I'm told. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Mm. yes. Mm. And a, and a trophy, which is a sort of model of the of the clubhouse of the Augusta mm. Club. Oh, okay. So it's not just a green jacket. Not just a green jacket. Not just a green There's jacket. A few, a few bob as well, I think he. Wins, I'm sure yeah. he might have been, yeah, compensated slightly uh, with uh, some cash going in as well. Um, I love the Masters. I'm not really a golf fan, but I do love watching the Masters. It's it has something unique about it. I think definitely. Um, right before Stuart, I'm going to do mine. If that's okay, is that all crack right? Crack on, crack on. Thank you very much. My, I've got, I have, so firstly, Saturday, Celtic beating Rangers. Always going to be my sporting moment of the week. Whenever that <laughs> happens, quite often as it happens, and so uh, that will be this week's. And also, on Monday, I was at the racecourse ground, Wrexham. Uh, for Wrexham against Notts County, what was billed as the biggest non-league game of football ever. Um, I was in the same building as Ryan Reynolds, which um, I'm going to say for quite a while. And um, it was an extraordinary event to be a part of. And although my team lost um, Mm. 3-2 and missed a last-minute penalty as well, which um, I've not cried about yet. Um, then, uh, but it was still uh, just, it just felt like we were part of something big and it was, and it was absolutely fantastic uh, to be a part of. And uh, 
just hope that um, if Wrexham do win the championship, that Notts can go and win the playoffs. But uh, never say never. Um, Stuart, yours, sir. Mm. Yeah, just um, before I before I do, uh, just going back again to that uh, Hull derby at, uh, at Wembley in, in 1980. Um, I, 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 it's probably a legend is this, but uh, I think wasn't there a, a sign on the first uh, bridge over the M62 leaving Hull, which basically said, will the last one to leave town please switch the lights off? I think was the... Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had actually uh, written, which is very funny. Yeah, well, actually... Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to deal first with uh, my sporting moment of the week so far, but I, I do have a sporting moment uh, that's yet to happen uh, this week, which I'll, I'll finish with. Uh, but um, my uh, my sporting moment of the week so far is uh, actually I'm going back to Augusta and the 87th Masters. And when Tony first mentioned golf, I thought, cracky, he's going to uh, he's going to nick my uh, sporting moment of the week. But um Freddie Couples. Mm. Um, he, Freddie Couples, probably the greatest swing in golf, Tony, I would think, or the, the smoothest. Swing. Yeah, one of, without doubt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, Freddie Couples created some history at the uh, the Masters this week uh, by, well, he made, first of all, he made the cut um, after two rounds. So that's his 31st career cut at the Masters. He's played there 38 times. And that was his 31st cut. And at 63 years and six months, he became the oldest player ever to hit, make the cut at, uh, at the Masters, uh, beating uh, Bernhard Langer's record, which was set in 2020. And uh, I think in his first round, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but I think he went round in one under. Um, yeah, it was it certainly. First round. Yeah, he was sort of on the board, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, so it's fantastic to see. He's as smooth as ever. Uh, uh, fast Freddie couples, and uh, yeah, but just a, a, a super record at 63 years and six months. That was great on on the on the same uh, same event, of course, that Sandy Lyle uh, bowed out. He played his uh, his last uh, Masters tournament, which was uh, which was sad to see. Uh, so that's my. Just before you move yeah. on to the, the one that's t- still to come, uh, remind me, of course, I, I, I didn't mention him because he's a live golfer, um, but Phil Mickelson, uh, 52 I... years old and uh, yeah. finishing tied, tied for second with, a, was it 65 in the last round? And then, of course, I can't remember his name, but the young amateur uh, who, who did ever so well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think he was, uh, was he in the in the final pairing on the on day three? Yeah, and still yes, he finished was. A, a few under par at the end. Yeah, um, and that was a remarkable performance. Yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Anyway. No, not 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 at all. And it's uh, very quickly my sporting moment of the week, which is yet to happen, is the big dog win- winning the Grand National entry on Saturday. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Who's the jockey? <laughs> Aidan Coleman. Oh, that's okay. I thought yeah. it was supposed to be somebody over there, but uh, yeah. no, somebody else. Yeah. Trained by Peter Fahey. It's an Irish horse. And second the will be Cap- Cappadano. The big dog will the win the dog. national on Saturday. <laughs> okay. Second so will then. be Cappadano, trained by Willie Mullings. You heard it here we'll see first. How that goes. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Thank Indeed. you very much, gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure this evening for recording this week's podcast. I am um, thanks to Bernie, thanks to Tony, and thanks to Stuart. Um, I've been Ian Marsden, and uh, we've got live sport for you thick and fast. We've got the Rhinos at Hull on Friday. Then we've got Leeds against Liverpool on Monday. And then um, we've got other stuff 
coming up as well. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so um, get well soon, guys, and uh, get out of hospital. Uh, but until now, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>